0: hello hello welcome back to grab some tea honey Ooh. brought to you by your lovely host <laughs> that clap though it's a clap for me it's a clap for me it is, it is. brought to you by a lovely host Ujiga. and
1: i'm ij ahmed on this week's episode you guys we have a different guest with a different topic um i'll let her introduce herself
2: <laughs> there's so much pressure here um <laughs> Hi everyone. My name is Mariam Ahmed, and like, what is there? Something that like you guys want to know? Like, yeah, what do you do? And um, so, I'm a program associate with a human rights organization in Minneapolis called the Advocates for Human Rights, and I work in the department on refugees and immigrants. Ooh,
1: wow! Um, that's not something you hear from a lot of Somali individuals. Um, most people jump into sciences
0: yeah most of us are branching out into medicine nursing social engineering, work engineering engineering for the boys engineering um animals, um, basically I like that shaqala uh, <laughs> could in coffee shops all all over the world malak Fadia, single mother nimostaghfirullah <laughs> for la unprovoked and, and called for but anyway <laughs> but it's true but uh that is something unique that is true we don't really hear about you do you want to tell us more of your journey towards there and then eventually tell us what exactly you do
2: yeah sure so I didn't study anything to do with refugees or immigrants or anything like that because I was like yeah I'm an immigrant myself like I don't need to be told about like what it means to be a refugee or what it means to be, you know, like an immigrant, right? Because I was like, that's, I just want to be in a different field. So I went to USIU in Kenya and I studied international relations, um, specifically diplomacy and foreign policy, because I talk a lot. Um, And I was like, you know, it's kind (laughs) of like, I luckily like wanted that, like travel, uh, meeting new people, like, being in a different country all the time, you know, we got to get those stamps in our passports and things like that. Um, and then, so for your say, so for your graduate, you either need to do an internship or a or a paper, like a thesis paper. Um, so I ended up getting my internship really late. So I had to do a thesis paper. So I ended up doing both. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up interning for Amnesty International which is another huge human rights organization and mm-hmm. I was a research assistant to the researcher the main researcher and it was basically about the horn of Africa so Eritrea Ethiopia Djibouti and Somalia and like just tracking and monitoring human rights violations that were constantly happening um and then we had a refugee officer in the office, and most of the times he would be in the camp. So he would either be in Kakuma or Dadaab, and some of the refugees that were in Nairobi um, would come to our office to complain about either the UNHCR, which is the United Nations High Commission for Refugees, to get their paperwork. Um, so I would end up creating a case for them. Um, and then taking down their narrative, so their story, their experiences, in a way that um, when he comes back, like, you know, like, everything is ready for him. And I'm kind of, like, OCD-ish, so, like, I create, like, notes and take down evidence um, just to make sure that, like, we're not making people come to the office to, like, collect things that we should have collected the first time. And while I was hearing their stories, like was like something out of a action, you know, like these movies that we watch, we're like, yeah, that can't possibly happen mm-hmm. in real life. Yeah. But the thing that we need to know is these movies mirror real life, right? It's not mm-hmm. someone's figment of imagination. They saw it, they lived it, they heard it. So like hearing all these experiences that people went through, Got me really interested in human rights because I'm like, no one knows about what's happening, right? And if they do, it's not being taught in classes. You're not seeing it in the news. Normal people in coffee shops, in Java, and art cafe aren't talking about these things. So to me, it was, I want to learn more about this. Like, how can I be a tool of change? Like, how can I bring these stories to light um, without traumatizing? the client, without traumatizing the community, like, how can we monitor and talk about human rights in a language where everyone understands, right? Like If you go to the Mamamboga and you tell her, oh, this is happening, she will identify with that. So when I graduated, um, I had the opportunity to come here to Minnesota, the land of all Somalis. Um, and I got into the Humphrey school of public affairs, which is like top eight in public policy in the United States. And they just had a new program, um, degree called human rights. And I was like, yeah, this is something I want to do. And again, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to waste money about refugees and everything. You know, like, I just want to like create a broad, um, sense of like idea of what human rights is. So while being in school and coming to Minnesota at that time, there was a case here that was being talked about where three Somali boys were arrested by the FBI because they thought they were terrorists. And like reading more into that story, I got really interested in like counterterrorism law and international security law. Okay, so sorry, but quick question. Yeah.
1: Um, when you were doing like international relations back in Kenya, did you know that um going into human rights was something that you actually were looking forward to or was it
2: something that you were always passionate about? Well I've always had an interest in human rights right like in high school I was in the model of the United Nations I was in the human rights council. So like I knew what human rights was but I didn't know to what extent human rights was like you can find human rights in law in business in science in medicine like your charity organization right yes that's basically like it's it has fragments of human rights um so like so social media as well so like it has these different branches but the root itself is human rights so like it was there in the back of my mind but it's not something that i thought i would end up like being like a forerunner for like i would be an activist of any kind um, mm-hmm. but like I, it's more like I was, it's like the universe pushed me into this role that I'm in right now. Cause for so long, like I had been trying to get away from this identity of being called an immigrant or a refugee, like you don't mm-hmm. really belong anywhere. Mm-hmm. And then I'm in this position now. And I'm like, I did a campaign with Amnesty International with a hashtag, anyone could be a refugee in which, like, you could wake up today as a normal person living in your own house and something happens in the blink of an eye, you find yourself in a refugee camp. So, like, we have to be really careful on the labels that we put on people because you don't know the effect they have through generations, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what, like, you know, like when you, when you try not to do something and then you end up doing it, you're like, yeah, maybe this is what I should have been doing the whole time is basically what happened to me.
1: Do you see yourself leaving this career field and maybe kind of pursue something else? Is it something that you see yourself doing for good, for life? or?
2: Um, that's a really good question because where I am right now, where I work at the Advocates for Human Rights, there are days where I'm like, yes, I want to I wanna go back to school. I want to go to law school and become a lawyer and just take all these cases that we're not able to take Then some other times I'm like, I want to be a professor and teach people about human rights so they themselves can go into these um, different career paths and actually help people. So it's like, yes and no, where I'm like, I want to do something different that empowers even more people, but still have that role where I'm like, yes, like we can mobilize people to go out on the streets. We can mobilize people to... Go on social media and advocate for all these different changes, and I think it's not something that you choose to do; it's something that chooses you, if that's a way of saying it. Um, but I know that it's some human rights. It's something that I'm really, really passionate about, and I'm not giving it up anytime soon.
0: Nice. I have a question about the statement you um, you talked about. You talked about generational efe, uh, effect. Uh, of being a refugee, can you just um, basically clarify or basically make it more clear what effects it will have on generations or what you have seen in your workplace that has impacted um, refugees in second, first generation, second generation, third generation and so forth?
2: Yeah, sure. So for me I am a second generation I think or first. So it's basically for those of us whose parents experienced the civil wars, right? It doesn't have to be from Somalia, like any civil war all over the world. When their parents came to places where they sought safety and freedom, um, they went through traumas that cannot be explained, right? And some families will tell their, gener- their future generations of what they went through others will keep it into themselves because they don't want to traumatize their kids or the future generations. So for me, it was True. seeing how we view our parents and making them feel like they don't understand processes or systems in the new country that where we were born, right? So I was born mm-hmm. in Kenya, and mm-hmm. it's, people will tell you like, oh, like, yeah, you were born in Kenya because you're a refugee. Like, you, you could, like, you know, like
0: mm-hmm. all these
2: other statements that people make and you're like, mm-hmm. well, I was born here in Kenya, so I'm not a refugee, right? I wasn't born in a camp. I wasn't mm-hmm. born outside the borders of Kenya. So I am technically Kenyan according to the constitution. So mm-hmm. I'm not a refugee. Mm-hmm. And then you migrate overseas or abroad to America and... You become an American citizen and they tell you, oh, you're a refugee because you weren't born here or the -hmm. way you came in or the way you got your citizenship is Mm -hmm. basically Mm -hmm. that. And then what we do as our generation, or if I should say me, I'm not going to generalize for everyone because you don't have the same experiences, is you Mm -hmm. distance yourself from that name. Right. So you change Mm -hmm. how you think you change how you um what's it called the way you dress, the way you speak to assimilate to a culture that sometimes doesn't want you and sometimes wants you, right? Mm-hmm. So it's you get to a point where you're like, okay, so I'm people say I'm not Kenyan, I'm not American. I don't identify as Somali somali because I was never born in Somalia. Mm-hmm. I've never been to Somalia. Mm-hmm. Some of the cultures and traditions I don't identify with, I don't understand. So who and what am I, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Do you feel like I...
0: you have some type of identity crisis? Because I feel like a lot of us who whose parents have migrated to a first world country and who were born somewhere else, but of different ethnicities or different um, backgrounds as to the one of the host country their parents immigrated to, do you feel like... Um, do you feel like, as you mentioned, you feel like you don't belong? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Like, I exactly like that. Like, it's you, it's these labels are thrown on you or are stripped away from you, right? So it's like a give and take shove kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And at some point, like, it's like an elastic band, right? If you stretch it too much, it's going to break. And I think for some people, when that breaks, it's when you have to make the choice of what labels you want to stick with and what labels Mm. that you don't want. Or even altogether, throw all the labels out right and create something new for yourself. Mm. So for me, it was I'm going to take the good in all three of them and create something Mm -hmm. that I identify with, something that is unique and personal to me. And with the job that I have, hearing everyone's experiences or stories, what they went through, their struggles, you're like, Yeah, people have this vision of America being the land of the free. Everybody wants to come here. If you're if you're here, you're very lucky and privileged and whatnot, and you're like, Yeah, I know a said this to me once, it's like that grass is really not this, that green on this side. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's not all fun and games. It's not, like, we, like, I feel like when, I, when people talk about, like, taking risks to come to America, to mm-hmm. live a life that they've seen on TV or heard from family members, I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of people will build themselves up with gas Mm -hmm. And, like, it's not, like, you have to live it to understand Mm -hmm. it, if that makes sense. Like, Mm -hmm. people don't understand how much we pay in taxes. And I feel like a lot of people back home Mm -hmm. are fed this weird, strange narrative of how life is really great Mm -hmm. here. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Like, it's not fun and games. Most people that live here are either on antidepressants or anxiety medications or battling mental demons mm-hmm. they don't mm-hmm. have time for their families the way elderly people are treated here how mm-hmm. children talk to their parents how parents um, take care of their kids it's so different to what we grew up in Kenya that wallahi mm-hmm. sometimes I find myself thanking the heavens and thanking my parents for mm-hmm. taking me away from here when I was 10 to a place where I appreciate life mm-hmm. I appreciate people's hard work Mm -hmm. and it's pushed me to want to become better Mm -hmm. that I want better for my clients one of the people that I work with here are asylum seekers so asylum seekers are people who come into the country to seek safety from the prosecutions that they've faced back home right Mm -hmm. so that's like it's an immigration status and when they come here, you don't automatically become a citizen. Like you have to apply for an application, um, which is called an I five eighty nine asylum application. And once you apply for that, you will get your fingerprints done. Once you get your fingerprints done, you go to an asylum interview. And when you're being scheduled for that asylum interview, it could take years. It could take five years for you to get that, um
0: mm-hmm.
2: to get that interview. That's a yeah, why, and why is that? Sorry, what? Why? What's the reason? The reason is because there's a lot of people who are applying for asylum, and the asylum offices don't have enough officers to do those interviews. Mm. So what happens is once you get your application done and you filed it, you can get a work permit after it's been pending for 180 days, and then you work.
1: What about things like healthcare and school and housing? Are they given for housing? Do they get um, um, uh, like a health care um, insurance? Do they get... What are the perks of um, applying for asylum in this country?
2: Yeah, so when you apply for asylum, um, it means you're looking for a legal immigration status. So you're looking for a way to stay in the United States legally, right? So once you apply for that and it's pending for 180 days, you're eligible for a work permit, which lets you work in the country legally. And then two, once your application has been pending for that 180 days, you also qualify for health care, right?
1: We've we've actually um, talked um, extensively about your professional life and what you do Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. in terms of work and school and all that, right? Yeah. So... Um, If the listeners don't know, uh, Mariam is a Somali individual. She's a Somali girl who finished school here in the US and also works here. What was the life like moving away from home to a land where you had to live alone, um, fend for yourself, um, basically be independent? Mm -hmm.
0: And to add to that question, sorry, Uh and how does the Somali society view you as a female Muslim Somali woman? Living alone, basically, and you know,
2: yeah, those are really good questions. So, I'll start with the first one um, from job and that's um, the transition from moving from one country to another and trying to be air quotes independent. <laughs> um, so, when I came here, I was 23 years old and I'd been away for 13 years, so winter was a new mm-hmm. country to me. Um sorry. You've been you've been thirteen years
0: away from the US or from Kenya? From the US. So I left okay. yeah, I left yeah.
2: Minnesota when I was ten. Ten. Okay. Yeah. And came back when I was twenty three. So those mm-hmm. thirteen years were amazing, right? So
1: mm-hmm.
2: um I have four siblings. Um, so we had two maids, one that cooked and one that cleaned. We have a drive we had a driver growing up. So like this whole concept of washing your clothes, doing your bed, um, okay, cleaning up your cooking cleaning off your cooking, cleaning, yeah, know. taking out the trash, pumping your own gas, um, or a very like, whoa, sure. like, where <laughs> am I kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I was so ready to like leave Kenya and just like experience life on my own because I had mm. two siblings who went to school in a different country. And they Mm -hmm. were living on their own. And I'm like, but I'm the eldest. I should be able to be independent too and like fend Mm -hmm. for myself. And my parents were like, Um, your time is now. So you're going. (laughs) And I was like, so excited. And then I got here and my mom was with, so I got here in December of 2016. And my mom Mm -hmm. left me here in February of 2017. Mm -hmm. And right before she left, I got a part-time job working as an optician at an eye clinic. a Somali-based eye clinic that helps low-income families get glasses.
0: Mm. And
2: I was so excited. I'm like, yes, this paycheck is mine and mine alone. I can do anything I want with my money. You know, like, I can do whatever I want. You know, like, that taste of freedom that you never got when you're with your parents. Like, you come home whenever you want. You hang out with your friends, and no one tells you anything. And Mm. it got to a point where, like... I'm telling you guys, like, six months in, like, I called my dad, crying on the phone, and I'm like, listen, this life was not meant for moi, like. I'm too bougie for this. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm too bougie for this, because, like, I'm, like, I don't even know, like, did you guys know that you had to, you have to, and I know a lot of people in the podcast are, like, oh, my God, you're so spoiled, but, guys, <laughs> I'm not even going to lie, do you all know that you're still supposed to separate colored from uncolored clothes when you put them in the machine, like the yeah, machine. yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe I was maybe I was absent when another. Tell asked. me, you mixed your clothes, bro. When I tell you, my body and my white T-shirts came out <gasps> looking different. Tieday. Yeah, and I'm like, um, yeah. Someone should put a manual in the laundry room for people like me. It's just you, <laughs> it's, it's it's just probably a me thing, and now the whole world knows I don't <laughs> not know how to do laundry. <laughs> But guys, did you learn at least did you learn I That's learned crazy. I learned how to do that I learned how to do groceries not yes. at once but like breaking them down because there's no way you can carry all those groceries mm-hmm. low in your house when you're one person there's no like it channel. Like, I'm forgetting Israel, but it's a Bebe, Vitu Kwagari. Like, there's nothing like that because you're the mshana that's coming to pick up stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yes. oh you're the Daniel and the Makazi
1: of
0: how. You
2: are the main that's the
1: thing the driver. Though. That's the thing, though, right? Because ideally, um, you actually have it better. Not just hard, but you have it better than someone like me who went to China and had to, like, take a bus. And I had to go to exactly. Walmart and You know, yeah. so in as much as you did have it better than most of us, the transition mm. must not have been easy because, and yeah, like shopping alone is
2: such
0: it's a struggle. such a hustle
2: because I've, I've mm. always shopped mm. for a home of seven, like a household of seven. So shopping for me alone was really difficult because literally, guys, I would go to Sam's Club. And Sam's Club is like a big wholesaler, like mm. shop, right? But I'm one person. Why am I going to Sam's Club to buy... Yeah. all these food like who's eating the food with me is there a genie that's living with me and i'm not aware <laughs> like guys like what's up so because, and then,
1: because you're so used to buying for seven
2: it's so difficult to cooking for seven people. exactly yeah. Yeah. cooking for seven people and you're like oh my god i'm losing my mind so like you slowly establish and then there's this thing that i used to do that I used to piss a lot of people off it's like i'll go to the shop and i'll see something for ten dollars and guys wallahi i would out because I'm like $10. I'm like, that's a thousand shillings. There's no way I'm buying this toilet paper. And then someone will tell me like, no, you need to stop thinking like that because you're going to drive yourself mad because currencies are different, right? People's lifestyles are different. The way Kenya lives is different from the way Americans mm-hmm, live. Mm-hmm. So like slowly you start understanding how money and all these things work, how public transport works, how things work. Tell mm-hmm. me when I got my first paycheck, well, I, I flipped out because I didn't mm-hmm. realize that mm. the government took a big chunk of your, uh, <laughs> Hashtag, your taxes. <laughs> Welcome so here, to like, reality. Am, right? I'm yeah. waiting for my four hundred dollar check that I worked for two weeks part-time, and I'm only getting paid three hundred. And I'm like, who is this person taking my extra hundred? Guys, what's happening? The government, the government, the government will harm you and his minions out here taking my hundred dollars. Big Ben. Can <laughs> I say Big Ben?
0: What is it? What do you guys call the, your government? It has a name. Big Sam? Big Sam, exactly. Yeah, Big Sam. Yeah. All your money.
2: So, yeah, so like it was, it was such a struggle because I missed my parents. Traveling to Kenya, guys, is not cheap. It's $2,000 for, Imagine you guys. for oh, a two way, yeah. right? It's a scam and a half. Yeah, and like my and me feeling bad at thinking my, there's no way I'm going to ask my parents to send me money I have to be independent I applied for Mm -hmm. grad school and that was an entire mess so trying to figure out how to go to school and how to work Mm -hmm. at the same time and also having a social life Mm -hmm. by the way whoever who has a social life while they're working and going to school y'all need to find me because I didn't know how to do that like it got to a point where I was like I need like self that's what I learned about self-care and how Mm -hmm. important it is You need to take time out of your day to just breathe, you know, like life is passing you by so fast that you need to carve out like an hour or 30 minutes to just let everything process and settle because if you go on like this, you either get depression or anxiety or all these multitude of mental health um, issues and yeah and yeah exactly like you need to make time for mm. family and friends and for yourself too and I feel like a lot of people here think that it's selfish um, and I've been called selfish so many times by people because I'm like no I'm not doing anything today I'm just focusing on myself and I just exactly, you exactly. need to get into my own space because Meantime, five, day, exactly, five days a week you are mm. constantly six days a week just let's be honest. Six days a week, you're running up and down. You don't have time to do your hair. You don't have time to do anything. You don't have time to shop. You don't have time to eat. I think that's why there's a lot of people that have food problems in the U.S. And why fast food is such a thing is because people don't have time to sit and eat and talk. You know, like that's something that is privileged a lot of people that live outside the U.S. It's because... Here, people's time is like very calculated. Like, you're working from eight to four. You need to buy groceries. You need to pay your bills. So, like, everyone is so fast paced that when you're from Kenya and, like, at four o'clock, everyone's at Art Cafe or Java and stuff like that. Like, wow, you might as well just mention my name like, on <laughs> <every> hour, <laughs> <any hour> forever <laughs> taking Pictures of these fancy places you go to. We are stuck at Starbucks. And McDonald's mm-hmm. because we don't have time to go yeah. to yeah. and whatever you guys go to. Rocks. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag sports and sports. <laughs> Right. Um, so like yeah, it, it gets to you. And I think that living here has really taught me how to curve out a day or a time to just be like, you know what, this is me time. This is I'm gonna use this time to do whatever I want. I can either read or words whatever you know like just use that time to just like focus on your system and focus on yourself and that is not selfish at all despite what anyone ever tells you
1: okay so just to bring back um didra's earlier question how how has it been maneuvering with the somali community in minneapolis because obviously there's a huge chunk of them and seeing that you live alone, you drive a car, you go to like a good school, you work now. So do they think that you came in um via a husband or via an illegal youth? <laughs> like what do they what do they think um, or what do they tell you when they see you living this life alone
2: as a single person? really funny because when I lived in my old apartment, a lot of people thought, so me and my siblings who would come, like my siblings would come here to vac like for vacation, right? And the building where I live before the where I live now is the building I you I grew up in, right? So like everyone knows us. And they coined this phrase called the Kenyan kids. So everywhere we went on the elevator, mm-hmm. like, oh the Kenyan kids are here. Um so a lot of them thought that um so I lived in a one bedroom, because obviously it's just me, right? And I drove and did all these things that Ajab and Jijo mentioned, and a lot of people thought, oh. They probably came in with a visa or a sponsorship. Sponsorship basically means family petition. So someone who's a US citizen here petition for you. Mm, um, okay. Or um you're a refugee. And I'm like, well, it doesn't matter how I came in. Like, I'm here minding my own business. And something some white some people do not know. Minding their, minding their own their business. Own business right? Can we just repeat that? Minding their own business. It's minding really their own business. <laughs> it's really issue. Issue. You guys yeah. sound
0: very frustrated. Did somebody, like, tell
2: you, are
0: you sponsored? How did you come here it's or something? So, so I was question yeah.
2: every day when I went to go throughout the trash. I'd be like, so, how would the Nkukujuk tell? Like, what are you in the country with? Do you have a green card?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, are you a resident? Are you a citizen? <laughs> like, with what's up? No, and I'm like there in Kenya (laughs) Kenya, as a suju, we don't ask these personal questions unless like yeah, we
1: mind our own business. No, like (laughs) I'm like
2: um, that's not really. I had this lady who would knock on my door, and when I would open a crack, just like talk to her, she would wanna Mm -hmm. she would push in and come to my apartment, and Mm -hmm. see what was there, and then she would be like, "So are you in Section Eight, which is publicly like public housing, Mm -hmm. right, where they subsidize Mm -hmm.
1: the you For, like, low-income families. For
2: low-income families. And I'm like, um, I don't see how me being in Section 8, whether I am or not, is any of your business. Mm -hmm. Um, What did she respond? She was like, you know, like, I tried, I was not raised to be rude to people at all. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I don't know who raised Ijabo but for me <laughs> <laughs> What are you going to say? No,
1: no, Shut what are
2: so sure. you know going to say?
1: What are you going to say? Ijabo, like, I, I can't can take, can take that The
2: reason I said that is because Ijabo is really blunt like she will tell it to you the way it I is I am <laughs> blunt, wallahi I I'm the person who will sugarcoat it and be like oh my god, my car is being towed and will run away you know, like I'm a coward <laughs> like that um, so like I would be like, no, I'm not in section eight. I can afford to stay here. You know, like I would answer questions that didn't need to be answered because that's just the way I am. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of like people told my dad, they were like, you know, you shouldn't have her live by herself. It's not right. You should have her with a roommate or live with family.
0: Mm. But I
1: have a question for you guys, both of you, both of and Marimia. Mm. What is it about Somali aunties and sticking their nose where it does not belong? Because I, I'm sure each and every one of us here has <laughs> had an instance or um, a situation where a Somali aunt isn't, and you're just like, why don't you just mind your business? What is the problem?
2: Yeah. Mm. Well, mm. I, don't, I like don't like conversations. So I would like, so my brother is the fourth child. He's like six, one, and he's like really buff. So when he stayed with me, a lot of people thought he was my husband, and I wasn't about to say. Well, yeah. I, <laughs> I was about to like say anything or not like. So to them, like they were like, "Oh, she lives here with her husband who travels a lot." So that mm-hmm. kept a lot of people from entering my business, right? Like they knew that you were
1: six years older than him, six whole years.
2: Yeah, they did know I was six years older than him, and I'm like that. Ha- literally, like I used to lie to people a lot that I was married. Um, mm-hmm. Just so that like people don't ask you questions that they shouldn't be asking in the first place, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. again, some people y'all don't know how to mind your business. It's it's a fault it's a flaw that we have to deal with because even us Jijo, jabo Marian, there are times when we don't mind our own business. About the tea. You know, that's what people end up looking for the tea, right? That's mm-hmm. basically not that's the Pinoc- the Pinocchio nose twitching for information. Okay, you guys.
1: So I have a question and this question actually goes out to each and every one of you guys. Mm-hmm. Um at this point, Maria Mashallah, you're done with grad school, you're working, gJ you're almost done with school, Me, I'm done in school. How are we, the, like the three of us individually, dealing with socii- Somali, societal pressures of like settling down and having a husband and kids and all that, you know, and all that
0: stuff? Let me, le- 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 let Mariam go first. Mariam, tell
2: us. Yes, because I'm the oldest. <laughs> 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 so for me, I think it's, I got a cat. <laughs> and, <laughs> <Usually> a cat <laughs> <day>. <laughs> and she's like my baby. But um, I'm, Okay, guys, I'm not even gonna lie to you. When I turned 24, I freaked out because I was like, in my head, when I was younger, Mm. I was like, at 25, Mm -hmm. I'm either finishing my master's program, and I'm probably like getting married, or I'm already married and have a child, or about to have a child. Mm. And I was like, oh my god! I was like in my living room, and I was, I panicked, and I'm like, shit. Excuse my language, but I was like, do y'all curse on your podcast? Is it family friendly? Well, that's fine.
1: but best of both worlds, so, so yeah. go ahead. Yes, I, was go
2: like, ahead. Sh- I was like, Shit. I was like, I've never dated before, I've never been in a relationship. Like, where do girls find these boys that they get married to? Like, do I have Let to go to Starbucks every morning? Let me like, tell you, <laughs> like, where are these guys? You know, it's arranged marriages, and Twitter. I'm like, I'm like tw- I just turned 27 and I'm at that point, and I'm like, uh, <laughs> no. I might go that route, you know. <laughs> um, we don't have time. I fear I feel like we don't have time. We don't know what we I know certainly don't know what I want. And mm. like I Alhamdulillah. I'm gonna say this a thousand times, like Alhamdulillah times a thousand. I have parents who don't stress me out when it comes to marriage and settling down because they understand that it's qadrullah. It is if qadrullah. it's destined for you to get married, you're gonna get married. Yeah. There are other parents who like you finish high school, you haven't even finished you are starting high school, they already have like a thousand prospects, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. They already know people that are ready to get married and get committed. I need to learn who I am first. I need to discover who Mariam yes. is before I can commit to a husband and children. Because mm-hmm. then you, I'm not saying that marriage, you lose your sense of identity or whatever. But, like, I need to establish who I am first. I need to be the perfect person first for that other person, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. I understand. Well, I I respect everything you said, and I actually do agree. For me, the personal reason is, one, you have to love yourself before you love somebody else. That's the biggest or preach yeah exactly that's the biggest thing so one you have to one fall in love with yourself which means getting to know yourself getting to know what you like before you open up to anybody else you know and again it did it really comes down to what you call success maybe some people want to get their master's or their phd or basically get a, a house or Basically, whatever definition of success that individual has, for me, basically, it has to be, as you said, financially independent, to do what I want and establish, then maybe then allow somebody into my life. That's my main reason. Now, Ujabi, you tell us. Um, Wallahi, to be
1: honest, for me, my reasons are... Because, because you me. belong to the streets. I am. No, actually, I feel like the streets belong <laughs> to me, but anyway... <laughs> That's for the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, well, I for me, I think, um, personally, my the biggest reason why I don't think I'm ready to settle down is I don't think I've reached where... I, okay, I don't think I've reached that stage in my personal life and my career for me to mm. be like, okay, I have time for other things like a husband and kids and a family. Because I feel like that's a whole commitment on its own. I feel like mm. I've barely finished this commitment, which is like medical school. Mm.
0: Yeah. I've
1: barely finished this. How am I diving to a whole different commitment does that make sense I want to be yeah. somewhere stable um for me to be like okay I think I can kind of work on this while I work on this as well but now yeah. I'm so far from done I have like board exams and residency and so many things that are like piling oh, yeah. up waiting for me to do and I can barely do that how am I gonna
0: like talk to a father you know what I mean It's 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 a lot yeah, yeah. It, it, well, it can be a lot. It can be a lot, and and the and the pressure. Not that our immediate families, because I know our families are basically about our oh, education first, education. That's Alhamdulillah for that. Um, but they drop yeah.
1: hints. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> they drop hints. Have you been getting hints that we don't know of? Well, hey, um Her phone keeps, keeps beeping, beeping, guys. That's all. Awesome. <laughs> That's probably this work, but anyway, proceed. Oh, my God. But just, but just still, you know, um, but alhamdulillah, like uh, our parents are very supportive of however, whatever time we want to settle down. And I feel like that's, that, that is what matters. You know, at the end of the day, we are the ones who are going to be in this marriage. It's not our parents, not that auntie across the street, not that habo, not that Edo, not that ader. It's us who are going to be in it. And when we're ready, we're ready. That's basically what I believe. Wow, um, wallahi, I, I I. completely agree. I feel like um. we need to
1: kind of be blunt about what exactly we want and we shouldn't let societal pressures kind of deviate from our original plan because, mm-hmm. guys, as we plan, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala plans, there's nowhere in that statement where you have time for societal pressures because if I'm planning mm-hmm. and, and Allah is planning, that's enough. Like, that's yeah. all I need. I don't need um this Habarir Amina telling me that, oh, um why aren't you married? Or, or you're growing old. Or or your exa okay, my eggs are expiring, but so are your daughters. You know, like... (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, you you have your problems at home. Like, mind your own business. You know what I mean? Like You can't be watering someone else's grass and your grass is, like, with weeds and, like, dry and dead. Exactly. Like, Mm -hmm. water your own grass in your own house. But, Wallahi, um, I feel like if you have a focus in life, um, whether you are family-oriented
0: or career-oriented, both options are fine. Um... First of all, can we, Marian, tell us about how the pool in Minnesota is? Is it as saturated? Is it as. Tell us about Minnesota and, 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 and the guys and is it uh, the myths and all that, that we hear in the great you know, reefs why? of the world? Mm-hmm.
2: To be honest, I haven't noticed anyone. <laughs> Seriously. Clearly, <laughs> like, I'm, oh, yeah, I'm still single, guys. So it's either me or them. But at the, the five plus years have there. Come on, nothing. It has been five it's years. Like, God, oh, yes, I, yes, I,
0: yes. I
2: honestly don't have the time. I don't go where people go. I don't smoke hookah. Not that I'm saying that's a bad thing, you know. Uh, but like, a... I don't party. Like, I'm a homebody. You know, like I'm at home, at work, or with a very small group of friends mm-hmm. from school, and like that's about it, you know. And um, to be honest, like everyone has their own tastes, right? Mm. And this is for the people who are gonna jump on Instagram and call me a traitor but like, mm. I honestly don't find some guys attractive Gay, stop it there, stop it there
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: like, that's, not that's not your preference, I'm I don't like, like, physically or anything to me, like, when I say attractiveness it's intelligence, right? And I'm saying, all oh, everyone here is stupid But like, yeah, I want I want someone <laughs> who I'm able to carry me conversation with and all the guys that i've met <clears> or i've talked to which is like maybe four or five hmm. are like they have no ambitions you know like
1: so don't letting us know. down man come on we can't even vouch for
2: you in this podcast you know what you know what you're actually right marian you're I've right been here for three years it's not like i've lived here my whole life you know but the yeah. three years that i've been and the six people that i've talked to yeah. i'm telling you guys it ends at the talking stage because i'm like yeah, I don't feel mentally stimulated. Like you're not you're not mm. you're there's no ambition there. Like you like you don't want to like I feel like I'm gonna be honest, the mm. entire grad the entire time I was in grad school, I never came across one guy who was in grad school with me. Who's like, Somali I'm Somali? I'm Somali. Like I used to go around school and I'm like, y'all don't have Somali boys here. Mm-hmm. Because after, after, like, and I don't know, maybe they're in, like, the business or the other thing, but, like, to me, it's, like, are you able to carry on a conversation? Um, do you, like, to them, it was, like, yeah, let's go for a movie. Okay. And then what? You know, like, I want to be able to talk to you about things like life and what's going around the world and politics and stuff like this. I don't want to talk about LeBron James and Steph <laughs> Curry, like that's not like and messy like and what new Jordan's. And playstation about? and yeah, like i don't want like no or like like i i don't know maybe it's because we have this image of what love is because we see like we see our parents and what their love life was and how they were courted and like you know all these things that we've heard from our parents even though we know it's exaggerated most of the time, but. To me, like, I don't even know what my type is. You know, I don't know if it's a six, five skinny farah or a five <laughs> chubby human. You know, like, there's no in between,
0: by the way. There's no in between. Yeah, it's everything. either he's skinny or he has a bigger <laughs> booty than you.
1: For life, let me tell you, you need to so learn how to be blunt in life because, like, these niggas,
2: these are the niggas you tell fuck off and then they pour acid in your face. Yeah, <laughs> this is happening in Minnesota. Legit. <laughs> oh, you get you get a hit put
1: on you. I die in a gas station. No, let me tell you guys. Yeah, the worst thing here in here in like America in general is that. So crimes, bro. Yeah, and things here like a lot of the smiley guys here, yeah, they either Uber drivers or, or truck drivers. drivers security, yeah, security, security,
2: watchmen. Yeah, watchmen. Yeah, or security. Like it's like how you know, walking at four thirty a.m. and then you want to take me out to dinner at eight. How's that gonna work? I've
0: been why? He gets a uh, income that's halal. Can we talk yes, about that? Halal. Listen, yes, I'm, I'm not
2: saying the income and how the income is coming in. I'm I i do not care if he's a taxi driver. I don't care if he's a truck driver. I don't. But the thing is ambition. Yeah, like more in life. Why are you dropping out of of college to be a taxi driver or to be a truck driver? Because you did work in the summer and then. You know, like I want a husband who's not at Starbucks telling me he's uh, he's in Montana driving a truck when he could be home helping me raise my children. It's one of the reasons why a lot of Somali boys that I know that I've worked with are detained by immigration. Do you know how many boys I've come across, 20, 21-year-olds who are being deported because their parents forgot? Oh, mm-hmm. like when your parents apply for citizenship and you're still under 18. You go, like, get citizenship from them. When he reaches 18, yeah, basically he's on his own. And so my parents forget, oh, he's 18, he needs to apply on his own. I Mm. have guys who've been here since they were 10, Mm. never applied for citizenship. He's being taken back to Somalia. He's being taken back. Why is he being taken back? Because he was caught with marijuana. He had a gun. He, like, auto theft, tried to steal a car. Why? 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 why are we like this? Somali people, why are we like this? I don't know. So are we wholeheartedly blaming
0: the way the upbringing of the household, or basically, are we blaming the
2: parents? I'm not blaming the parents, I'm just blaming the system that's there that is marginalizing families like this. Like, I feel like Somali parents have too much on their plate. To worry about someone else's plate including their own child's kids. Kid. Okay, let let, me, let, me, let, me,
0: let me, me redirect you because this stem this this um, uh, conversation or this dialogue stems from the fact that taxi drivers or um, watchmen are not um, intellectually stimulating in terms of conversation which well,
2: they will, be, but the thing is what I'm saying here which will I, eventually
0: lead well, to an absent I mean, father I mean, some ambition
2: you have to have ambition in your life right like okay. today if i am if i'm living in a one bedroom house let's say i'm living in a studio right yes i should have the ambition that one day i'm going to live in a one bedroom house right i'm not always going to be at the studio correct okay. yes you want to yes. you want to be able to want better for yourself right yes okay taxi drivers that's a self employed and let me tell you the thing and i'm not saying all taxi drivers are bad mm. but and we are mm-hmm. using the word but again. Y'all can decide to attack me later, okay? But mm-hmm. we all know this is the truth. Mm-hmm. Most of the reasons why Somali people do jobs like truck driving or taxi driving is because mm-hmm. of income tax. You're self-employed. That's true. I agree 100%. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this is the US of A, so you never know. you never know. Allah, you never, <laughs> you. US of A, hey? US of A. Again, guys, I'm telling you, like, I'm not saying it I want a lawyer or a sure. doctor. I could get, all, only Allah knows what I'm going to get married to. I might get married to a garbage collector, you know? You never know. You guys are looking
1: to own that company. So. Exactly. Okay, so what, what I'm am-
2: saying is, I have not, I have me now, Marian, as Marian Ahan. The three years that I've lived here, I have not met someone who I've said, huh, you could be the father of my children. And that's just me. Would you blame, would you
0: blame the fact that you are in, would you say there's more potential back in Africa, back in Kenya?
2: Every place you go, they have their own, they have their own problem. The -hmm. thing with Kenyan Somali men is, and he's a mama's boy. Well, hey guys, Um, the conclusion to this conversation
1: is that, the problem here is that people really do lack ambition. They get like a general job, and they're like, "If I have this job that pays, why would I go back to grad school and like go back into debt and struggle, like, struggle yeah. exactly for a job that I'm not even guaranteed to get?" You, do you know? What and I mean? yeah, most of these businesses get closed because they committed fraud. I'm not But there. the is, yeah, wallahi, you guys, let me tell you. Um, ideally, um, the conclusion here is that you don't have to marry a Somali guy. There's ideally. Yeah, yeah. If obviously, I'm sure if a guy popped up from 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 the road and he seemed to have ambition, else like we wouldn't rule him out. Obviously, but the fact is that people here in where we are now currently, they really do like ambition. 2K, 2K, 2K. Like leave. Steph What's Curry has okay? a job. Steph- so, What's 2K? 2K, the PlayStation game for uh, the basketball.
0: Ah, game. Ah, is okay.
1: Steph Curry is earning
2: millions of dollars. You're earning... like You're watching him play world. and he's earning money. And you yeah. you're sitting on the couch because at 4am, you go and guard that building for that white man. <laughs> <I'm literally laughs>
1: Ah, oh my this, 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 this
0: watch, watchman have really pissed you off me i, I want to know more i want to know more guys comment let us know if you want a part two because i want to know about this watchman I, <laughs> okay. I, I just want to know like i
1: feel like there needs to be a part two because this is this is we want to know why you're so hurt by this watchman <laughs> But
2: walahi, <laughs> they're doing do an honest job at least
0: <laughs> my time. They're, they're not drug dealers I'm just thankful, especially in the third world country if they're not drug dealers, well, alhamdulillah it's alhamdulillah, he has an honest job, yes he lacks ambition which is a no for me, I agree with you, but still let
2: me tell you why, why I'm saying ambition is important to me, there's no way I've spent 12 years in school yani, my father has spent all this money for me, and then I go and marry someone who lacks ambition. What am I telling my children? What kind of role model am I setting for my children? Because I want my kids to look up to their mom and be like, yeah, my mom has a master's degree. My dad has a PhD. He's this, he's that. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. guys remember when we were in school and all these mother kids used to be asked, hey, whose parents graduated from college? How many Somali kids do you know who raised their hands? Very few. Very few, actually. Some of us used to lie that our mothers are not housewives. They are business women. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my
1: God! You guys, you know what? You know what? You guys, we can't continue the time of our as a program. Guys, some of us and we know each other. We are what? definitely. We're not going to come back for this because this no. is not okay. I agree, Olahi. I agree. Najidua. I agree because we had friends in my class. <laughs> Moms Mom, oh, were doctors. Businesswoman. Everybody, yeah. Man, what is she selling? <laughs> advice, <laughs> advice. <laughs> advice. Wallahi, um, <laughs> well, uh, this is amazing, you guys. I've been amazing host, Ajahmed. Ahmed. I've been <here.
2: laughs> lovely host, JJ Agal. And our guest I feel like I'm a one like one time guest because people will, will boycott your podcast, but this is Mariam. <laughs> 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 <Yes, we are. laughs> I'm not even married. My name is (laughs) Sophia.
1: Oh my God. Okay, guys. Ciao. (laughs)